Hi everyone, this is Tracy Fenton, founder of World Blue and the World Blue Academy, and welcome to the Freedom at Work podcast. I'm here to teach you how to think with a freedom-centered mindset, thrive as a freedom-centered leader, and finally, how to build a freedom-centered culture for your team or workplace. This podcast is about answering one key question. How can you, as a leader, use freedom rather than fear to unleash the full potential of individuals, teams, and organizations in order to achieve breakthrough results and change the world for the better? If you want to explore the answers, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Great to be with you. Today, we're exploring freedom at work within publicly traded companies. My guest today is Gary Ridge, CEO of the WD-40 company, the publicly traded maker of the WD-40 lubricant. You know that can that we all have back in our garages? Since Gary became CEO 21 years ago, sales at WD-40 have quadrupled. Their market cap has increased from $250 million to over $2 billion, and their annual compounded growth rate of total shareholder return is 13%. Most importantly, WD-40 is a World Blue certified freedom-centered workplace, and they've sustained this prestigious certification every year since 2011. Wow. Gary, dear friend, it is great to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. (laughs) Good day, Tracy. It's just wonderful to be with you. Now, Gary, about a year ago, you all opened up a brand new, beautiful corporate headquarters in right outside of San Diego. And last fall, when I was there, we were walking around and you were giving a tour to the leaders that we were working with who participated in our one of our World Blue Academy courses. And on that tour, even though we've known each other a long time and worked together for a long time, I had a real aha moment listening to you talk about why WD-40 calls itself a tribe instead of a team. So tell our listeners about why WD-40 is a tribe and not a team. Well, everybody wants to belong to something. One of the biggest human desires we have is to belong. And I know that, you know, you and I have both left either an organization or an event or a company, or maybe even a relationship because we didn't feel like we belonged. Mm-hmm. And most, if you think about Maslow's hierarchy to self-actualization, the first two rungs of that are survival and security, and most organizations provide that, Tracy. But when it gets to belonging, they go native. And, <laughs> and really, it's that belonging that's so important. You know, Sebastian Junger said in his book, the earliest and most basic definition of community, of tribe, would be the group of people that you both help feed and help defend. And tribes are enduring over time. So when we were thinking about what we wanted to be, what we wanted to belong to, the tribe was very important. Not only that, there are attributes that we studied of tribal behaviours over thousands of years, particularly with the Australian Aborigines and the Fijian Islanders. And when we looked at those attributes, it was amazing how they had so much business relevance. Like the first one is the number one responsibility of a tribal leader is to be a learner and a teacher. Mm, I love that. I love that. Well, and when you when you were explaining tribe versus team, I just had such an aha moment. I was like, we have to be a tribe. So at World Blue, we call ourselves a tribe now instead of a team. And it's such a different 
mindset and different way of showing up and different expectation with how we are there for each other and how we're supporting each other as a tribe versus as a team. Now, WD40, before you came to CEO, wasn't always this way, was it? What, what was it like when you first became CEO there at WD40? Well, you know, as I've shared often, there's no such thing as always or never. And <laughs> uh, back then, 21 years ago, WD40 was a great company. It had a culture that was appropriate to its needs at that time. However, we saw that our opportunity was to grow globally. And to grow globally, we, there were a few things that were obvious. Firstly, I came, got really comfortable with the three most important words I've ever learned in my life, I don't know. I realized that I was consciously incompetent. So how were we going to grow this organization? And the only way we're going to grow it was to create a culture of freedom, of values, of inclusion. And that was that little, that step we took. And I was fortunate enough back then to go back to school. I went to the University of San Diego. I did a master's degree in leadership. That's where I met my now dear friend, Ken Blanchard and others. And they reinforced in me beliefs that I had about what organization should be. A lot of those beliefs really came from a very, very special book, Everything You Need to Know You Learned in Kindergarten. (laughs) And if you take the principles of that book, and you applied them in business. They're very similar to the principles that you stand for and the great work of World Blue. Then you create a culture that has true meaning and can do remarkable things. I love that. And, you know, these kinds of cultures are still few and far between, as you and I know. And we talk a lot on this show and at World Blue about how the number one killer of workplace cultures is fear. Like, when you boil down all the problems, when you, you know, strip back the layers, what's really usually at the root of so many of our workplace challenges is fear. You co-authored a book with your dear friend, Ken Blanchard, called Helping People Win at Work, a business philosophy called Don't Mark My Paper, Help Me Get an A, which I love that title. I can't recommend the book highly enough. Definitely check it out. So when you wrote this book, Helping People Win at Work, you know, don't just mark my paper, help me get an A. What was the fear that you saw happening in workplaces around you and at WD40 that your book was trying to address? Well, you know, just touch on fear for a moment. Fear is not just in business. Fear is in life. And I think it's the most paralyzing thing we have in business and in life. It really does try to confuse us around what we can do. When we wrote the book, I was in a class of Ken's and he was talking about when he was a professor and he was teaching and he used to give out the final paper for his class at the beginning of the class. And he used to get in a lot of trouble from the academic folks at the university saying, what are you doing, Blanchard, giving out the final paper? He said, well, not only am I going to give out the final paper, now they know what an A looks like. I'm going to teach them the answers along the way. And I went, oh, duh. What do we do in organizations? <laughs> We're very bad at being very clear of what we expect of each other. The normal review system was more like, I'm going to get you time. And people, therefore, didn't know what good work looked like. And we as leaders never spent enough time helping them do good work. So the whole objective was how do we share a process that would be very clear about what do I expect of you, what do you expect of me, and at the same time put the responsibility of the development of that person with the coach 
and make sure that they gave the time they needed to help the person step into the best person they could every day. And I think that's so true because so often in our workplace cultures, they're punitive, right? It's how can I step on you? How can I push you down rather than help you get that A and lift you up? And, you know, research shows that one of the biggest fears in the workplace is fear of failure. And I remember you telling me this story, and I'd love for you to share with our listeners how you took a really unique approach when you first came into WD40 as CEO. You took a really unique approach to addressing fear of failure in the workplace. Tell us about that. Sure. You know, I don't remember I ever see or I've ever seen a lot of people running around the corridors of anything yelling out, I failed, I'm a failure. I failed, I'm a failure. (laughs) And there's a couple of things that happen when people don't really face what hasn't worked well front on. Number one, they don't learn from it. And number two, they hide it. And the reason they do that is because they are afraid that someone is going to make them feel less than instead of more than. So one of the when I got the opportunity to leave W40, the, we were a great company, but the knowledge was in silos and, and the power was the more I knew and the less I shared, the more power I had. And I said, how do we turn these silos of knowledge into fields of learning? And what became clear to me was this fear of failure, I always have to be my you know, the winner was so obvious. So I said, okay, let's turn this around. Let's say instead of making mistakes, we're going to have learning moments. So we said, we don't make mistakes at WD-40. We either win or we learn. And what we want to encourage is a learning moment. Definition of that for us is the positive or negative outcome of any situation that needs to be openly and freely shared to benefit all. So that was the whole you know, foundation. And funnily enough, the number one responsibility of a tribal leader is learning and teaching. Now, just let me touch on why that's so important. If you and I were to get in the time capsule right now and go back thousands of years to the centre of Australia, my home country, and we were sitting out there near Uluru or what was once called Ayers Rock, and we were kind of looking behind the rock and watching a group of Australian Aborigines in a gathering, what would be happening? the tribal leader would be teaching the young tribe members how to throw a boomerang. Why? Because if they couldn't throw a boomerang, they wouldn't survive. Why? Because the boomerang was the tool of the day for hunting. So how simple is it that if he was to throw that boomerang and not do it well, would he be a failure? No, he'd say, look, here's your learning moment. You didn't hold it correctly. Let me show you how to do it. So by having the learning moment, number one, We act as we should, as being the learner and the teacher. Number two, as a tribal leader, we're there to help the person be the best boomerang thrower there can be. So what what are we at WD-40? We're teaching people to throw boomerangs every day. You know, as I work with leaders all over the world and coach people, as we do this at World Blue, the thing that I see people getting tripped up on all the time is those inner gremlins in their heads that are constantly beating them up over failure. It's feeling like they failed in some way day in and day out. And it is such a powerful reframe to say, no, it's not failure. It is a learning moment. And 
that's something we've also taken on from WG40 at World Blue. And to the point where we just sort of, you know, share it easily every day. I try to say, I've had a learning moment on this. I try to model it as a CEO myself. I've had a learning moment on that. And everyone on the team, it makes me so happy when I hear them come forward and go, hey, I had a learning moment. Because just that is so powerful to reframe it and go, really? What did you learn? Help me understand. Thank you for sharing. So I just love, love, love that practice that you brought into WD40 and what an instant impact I'm sure it had on the culture and just really helping to dissipate one of those biggest fears, which is fear of failure. And can you imagine if, if I was in a situation and, you know, I was your coach and you're one of my tribe members and I wanted to engage with you about an observable learning moment, the conversation in the old days would go like this, hey, Tracy, um, I need to talk to you about something that I'm really, you know, I, don't, I think you could have been better at it, you know, and, and as I'm starting to talk, you're going, I'm getting into my shell, I'm going to get punished, or I go, well, hey, Tracy, you know, there's an observable learning moment here that I'd like to flush out with you to see if there's anything we can learn from it. And then we're putting the emphasis on learning on both of us. So I'm not coming to you, laying blame on you. I'm saying I think there's a, an observable learning that we could flush out here that we could both benefit from. And I tell you what, I think once we've worked out what it really is, we can send it out amongst the tribe and they can all benefit from it. Wouldn't that be great? What a difference, eh? Such a different feeling and energy and vibe completely. So as you know, what we teach at World Blue is that the opposite of fear in these fear-based cultures is freedom. And of course, we're not saying freedom like anarchy or laissez-faire or free-for-all, but it's freedom with accountability in the workplace. And I mentioned earlier how WD40 has been a World Blue certified Freedom Center workplace for years now. So Gary, why is freedom, rather than fear and control, so important to running a global publicly traded company? When people feel free and they're acting within values, you don't get what I call friction in an organization. You get flow because what happens is it reduces confusion. It enhances clarity. It gives confidence and therefore people get into flow. And when you're in flow, you're really delivering. So to me, it's why not? I mean, if you, even if you think about it, you know, if you take the opposite to freedom being locked up in a jail cell, how much do you, when you get locked up in a mindset of a jail cell because there's no freedom in an organisation, you don't have very far to move and you can't really achieve anything because you're locked into that, that space where nothing can happen. That's why freedom is so important. I love that. I love that. That freedom gives flow, not friction, but it gives that flow. And I think that is so True. Now, I know you told me that you have a special friend named Al, <laughs> and I want you to introduce us to Al. And I, and I want to ask you this question sort of as a way of maybe introducing us to Al, which is this. Do you feel it's a leader's or CEO, whether it's a CEO, a top manager, a division head, whatever it may be, do you feel it is a leader's moral responsibility to build a more freedom-centered rather than fear-based workplace? <laughs> Our job as leaders, we have no right to get in the way of people doing wonderful things. Our job is to make sure we create an environment where our tribe members wake up each day inspired to do the work they do, feel safe while they are there, 
and return home at the end of the day fulfilled by the work they do, feeling they've learned something new and contributed to something bigger than themselves. If they go home happy, there's a chance that their family will be happy. If their family is happy, there's a chance their community's happy. If their community's happy, there's a chance that their country's happy. And God, don't we need a happy world right now? So it's just an absolute sin that Al, now you, you said he's my friend, okay? Let me just. <laughs> Let's clarify that. <laughs> I, I know Al, and in fact, it's amazing how many owls there are out there. But I wrote an article a few months ago that I called the accidental soul-sucking CEO. That's who Al is. Al behaves and creates a culture that sucks the soul out of people within organizations. That's why we have got such terrible employee engagement. What an embarrassment it is if you stood up as a CEO and say, I'm very happy, I'd like to tell you, that 65% of my people who come to work every day are disengaged or actively disengaged, and it's because of my leadership. That's Al. And there are too <laughs> many Al's out there, too many Al's. And are. the reason WD-40 has been financially as successful as it is is we have a 93% employee engagement. Now, if we had the normal 35% employee engagement, we believe we would need twice as many employees as we've got now to get the same outcome. And if we had twice as many employees, you, we wouldn't have the financial results that we've had over the last 20 years. It's as simple as that. So simple. This podcast episode continues in part two. Thanks everyone for tuning in to today's show on Freedom at Work. If you like what you heard and you're interested in finding out if you're a fit to work with World Blue, here's what I invite you to do next. Head on over to worldblue.com slash call. That's world and then blue without an E, B-L-U, and book an appointment to speak with our team. We'll get on the phone with you for about 45 minutes and explore how to help you develop a freedom-centered mindset, thrive as a freedom-centered leader, or build a freedom-centered workplace culture. Remember, living, leading, and working in freedom rather than fear in order to unleash your full potential does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. We have over 20 years of experience working all over the world with top leaders and brands from small businesses to Fortune 500 companies, helping them achieve results with our proven methods and courses. To see if we can help you do the same, head on over to worldblue.com call and book a call with our team now. I'm Tracy Fenton, and I can't wait to connect with you soon.